to another edition of Oh This Podcast. Oh This Podcast. Oh, this podcast as your oh? Google. Oh? Oh, we have an oh. exclamation point. Oh! oh. This podcast. Oh, this. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, welcome to the dojo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm uh I'm hanging running in there? on I'm running on fumes, but uh you know, I've got uh I got plenty of caffeine that should kick in momentarily, so okay. uh, you know we're we're in good shape with that. Awesome, awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for another edition of Oh This Podcast. This is our episode twenty-six. This is our magical Kyle Corver episode. <laughs> Look at it, number twenty-six. Threesus. Yes, Threesus. From where is he from? Uh, well, he's from Pella. Well, he went to high school in Pella, Iowa, mm. and then he's the pride of Creighton University. Yes, go Blue Jays. <laughs> Omaha. 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 <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for another edition of this podcast. Uh, we are here, happy to be broadcasting on this. Uh, I think it's a magical Wednesday. If you, it, it, yeah, I mean, you could call it magical if you will. It is Wednesday. That that's factual. It's a day of the week. Have you seen something magical today? Uh, no, not really. Okay, well then let's not let's not jump to conclusions about being magical then. Okay, awesome, Steve. <laughs> before we get too much into this highly devolved conversation, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the show? Oh, man, what do people want to know about the show? Well, I guess we could tell them where they can find it. Uh, you can catch us on uh, ohthispodcast.com, where we have all of our episodes and other random uh, uh, posts and things of that nature. We also are on uh, Google Play. We're on iTunes. You can find us there and subscribe. We appreciate that uh, everyone who does subscribe and everyone who will subscribe in the future. Uh, we've also we're on Facebook. We like social media these days. I don't. Some kids are doing it. I don't know if it's going to stick around, but we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter, so you can find us there and interact oh. with us and tell us how wrong or right we are. Um, and then uh, yeah, other other than that, uh, we, if you want to support the show, we've got our uh, support link on uh, both our website, and you can also go to Patreon and support the show there. Awesome, awesome. Also, if you haven't done so, mark your calendars if you're going to be at Podcast Movement, like a fellow mm-hmm. podcaster. Come hit us up. Uh, we will be either wearing Hawaiian shirts, bad baseball <laughs> hats, or maybe have tacos on our hats and or T-shirts. Yeah, I don't, we don't know, know yet. Yeah, we, we haven't, haven't totally decided. I don't think I would do the taco hat with the taco jersey just because that's dorky. Um, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll have something. That, that's, a, that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, Steve, what's our beer of the week today? Yes, my friend, we are drinking. We we're going up to the great state of Minnesota this week. Oh yeah, oh, don't you know? We, we're not going that far north uh, to 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 uh, Moose you know Lake? to to hit up uh, quite that accent, but uh, we will go to the uh, the Minneapolis area, and we're going to drink uh, uh, one of my uh, personal favorite uh, beers as far as uh, like a, a session type beer. Uh, and this is uh, from Surly Brewing Company, and this is their Coffee Bender Brown Ale uh, infused with uh, with a bunch of different coffee. And uh, yeah, it is a uh, a really really excellent beer. Um, it is not uh, not overpowering as far as alcohol is concerned. Uh, it clocks in at five and a half percent. And uh, the the big thing with it is, I mean, it really tastes like you're you're drinking coffee with uh you know you get a little bit of alcohol uh into uh into the mix but uh it up front on the nose and uh you know through the through the taste uh, you've got uh you've got pretty heavy coffee flavors uh they come in nice big uh 16 ounce cans which i'm a fan of too because uh more is better correct and more uh, is better that's that's a fact oh uh, yeah and it's just uh, it's a year-round availability um, they, I think the coffee is from like Guatemala or something. Uh, they, um, I, they import, uh, they, some s- special blend for it. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, yeah, really delicious beer. Uh, I would not recommend it necessarily for a summer day because it is, uh, you know, it's a, 
it's not a heavy beer, but it's darker and coffee doesn't, I don't know. Maybe people are weird. I don't drink coffee to begin with, but I like it in my beer. So maybe I'm the weirdo, but uh, like, I don't walk around. I, I can't picture walking around with like a, like a coffee beverage when it's real hot outside. So I like it when it's, when you're, when I'm Iced in my cool. Iced coffee. Iced coffee I don't totally do, works. Man, I don't, I don't do that scent. I don't, I don't like it. So yeah, just don't put any half and half or sugar in it. Like yeah. I wouldn't uh, don't. Yeah. Don't put sugars or Splenda in the beer. Cause that definitely ruins it. But uh, yeah, it's a, uh, uh, a really good beer, 92 on Beer Advocate, um, and uh, Rate Beer's got it at 97. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, it's 153 calories, I believe they they've they've got it at. So uh, it's it's full and it leaves you a little full, but it's not terribly overpowering. If you're on your diet, you can still stick with it. You'll be all right. Yes. You know, got to take a few more stairs. Um, you know, afterwards, but uh, hey. You know that's that's life. It's better than other things. We've got we've got to make trade offs, and that's uh, that's how the world works. So yes, yes Surly, great brewery up in Minnesota. Uh, been there several times, and uh, yes, Coffee Bender, one of my uh, one of my favorites from their uh, uh, lineup, and uh, highly recommend going and checking it out. It's great for your morning commute to work too, if mm. necessary. It'll fit in your cup holder. Uh, you might need to put a brown <laughs> paper bag around it to take and make it. Uh, Socially acceptable for well, yeah, but I mean, Metro is a uh, is a solid option. I mean, they're they're not paying attention on that. You you can get away with it on the train. You could get away with it on the train, and <laughs> I guess on the blue lines and on the the CTA, they, no one gives a fuck. No, so. no, there's there's very limited uh, uh, disciplinary uh, <laughs> chances for anyone to come and do right, anything right, about right, anything. Right. <laughs> Steve, so before we jump in, actually, not before we jump in, let's jump in. The first topic Ooh. that I wanted to talk about today. Um, was kind of a question and that I've been hearing by numerous people um, and in the ether, the universe has been speaking to me, uh-huh. you know, and I, as a, as a, I think an air sign decide to you know, listen to it occasionally, you know, I don't know what an Aquarius is. I don't know <laughs> anything about astrology except for that. I'm that, a Libra. That, that it exists. I'm an Aquarius. Oh, locks like moderate walks on the beach and so <laughs> on. Uh, but People have been asking me when it comes to oh this podcast and picking beers, how do we choose beers on the show and where do we go to find things out? Mm-hmm. Like what it's like, what's our process when we take and do this and like how do we keep on getting inspired to go forward? I, I want to talk about that and then I want to talk about like these beer festivals coming up and just like let's ruminate on some beer for a little bit. Yeah, let's. Uh, uh, I mean, my my main concern uh, when picking out a beer for the show um, is. I mean, we've done some crazy beers. Uh, I try to generally pick things that are somewhat accessible. Now we've we've done some exceptions there. We've done you know Dark Lord and uh, some other special stuff that isn't necessarily you know something you're going to go pick up at like a, a store super simply. But by and large, like I'm trying to find beers that are uh, that people can go and try without having to be uh, you know a super you know a huge beer geek like I am. Uh, so it's, it's kind of nice to, and, and honestly, those are beers that get you into being a bigger beer geek. Um, you, you find it, you, and you like it, and then you find other things that you, I mean, it's a, it's an exploration process, uh, where I've been, you know, so I've been through this for the better part of a decade now, uh, of going and seeking out these beers. So like for people who, uh, haven't done those things and haven't checked stuff out, like, that's why I want to try and like impart some knowledge on people who uh you know may not be as into it but want to try some new stuff yeah so what's like when you first started like your like foray into like this beer thing you obviously your taste evolve and you want to try different things out and you want to be you know you want you the only way you grow as a human in as a person in life in general is by you know 
testing those bounds. Eating eating lots of green leafy vegetables. Yes, green leafy vegetables, but testing those <laughs> bounds of like your comfort zone and stuff like that. And you get there. With beers, you go now and you see all these different micros. You see all these different things there. How do you weed through the bullshit? Like, because mm-hmm. everything's just screaming to be there. Um, what advice do you have for people like when they're doing that? Or if they go to like a bar, like a beer bar, mm-hmm. where it's something that there's like 300 that they're going to choose from, you're not going to be able to whittle them right. down into it. So like, what advice like for you? Like, I mean, you can go on like rate beer. Like there's things, yeah, like I what mean, tactic? Yeah. I mean, number one, um, you got to, I mean, you have to have a baseline at least of what you think you'd like. Um, I mean, everyone's going to have their own personal palate that they prefer. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes you can push past certain things and be like, oh, you know what? I used to not like that, but you know, and you know, some people have a red line and, uh, you don't want to, uh, you you know, there's a certain point that people won't cross and that that's fine too. Uh, but, uh, I, when you're at, like when you're faced with something like that, I mean, by and large, my, my process is, all right, just go look it up and see what's about what the brewery is about, what the beer is about. Uh, and then I'll look at ratings. I don't necessarily base all of my beers off of, you know, how highly they're rated on rate beer, beer advocate. Right, I mean, right, there's certain right. things that I just like, um, you know, for, for, ex- for example, like there's, I really like Dunkelweizen beers, dark, dark German wheat beers. Uh, they are not necessarily the highest rated beers in the world because they're not super exciting. They're, very basic but they're I traditionally brewed they're, and i find them enjoyable like there's there's nothing super exciting about them yeah there are some really good examples of them that are highly rated but you can go through a laundry list of them and be like all right well i'm just going to try this one and it's going to be pretty close uh so everyone's got a, a palette that you know that they're gonna filter everything through and uh you know just one of the things you'll you'll do is uh, you know look it up and then beyond that uh, I like to I like to look at the brewery and if they're right. local that's a that's a plus like a, hey I will give them a shot um, if they are if they have some sort of reputation uh, if you've read or heard anything about them uh, you know recently uh, yeah I might try a beer out it's like hey well hey like this brewery just popped up yeah well I haven't had anything from them yet so let's give them a test drive and uh, you know and just kind of see how things are it's it's an experimentation um, I try not to go too wild with it i like to you know i'll usually try one or two beers from a like i say it's a new brewery or a a new style i'll try one or two get a couple different examples and if i like it cool i'll add it into the repertoire if not uh you know you just kind of move on and uh you know go go back to something you like uh but yeah i mean it's very much a uh it's a trial and error process there's no uh really great way I've found other than that because uh, everyone's got their own individual preferences. So to just automatically take someone else's opinion and say, oh, well, this beer is trash. I mean, there's there's so much good craft beer out there right now compared to where we were at 10, even, you know, uh, five years ago. Uh, there's there's so much more and there, it's very available. It's taking it like you can go to Walmart and get craft beer now. Like, right, not right, a ton, right. but there there's stuff there. Um, you know, so uh, that's a that's a plus. Whereas like, you know, when I was in college, I had to go to a specific, like they're a liquor store, a, a designated liquor store to get anything even remotely resembling craft beer. Um, and that, I didn't know shit. It was just, hey, this sounds interesting. Let's try it. And off you go. Yeah. Was it at that point when you're trying it for like the first time, was it really binary? Yes, I like this. No, I don't like this. And then you kind of base your decisions on like, because there's, there's so many factors that mm-hmm. can go into it. It's like, is it the beer that I don't like? Is it the brewery I don't like? Is it this technique that I don't like? Um, like, where did you, like, when did you first understand, 
um, like how did how to like get through to like okay, I'm gonna move from this beer to this next beer yeah. to this next beer. Um, it for the first few years that I was drinking good beer. Uh, I mean, it takes it takes time to build up like that inventory and that that know how. Um, so at that point in time, it was just hey, let's just try. And plus, you're in college, so it's like hey, there's no consequence. I'm just gonna drink as much as I feel like. So yeah. it's just try beer after beer after beer. Um, but um, really, what did a lot for me is I learned. I was I went into brewing, and uh, me and a, a friend of mine uh, started brewing beer right after uh, right after I got out of college. Uh, right, uh, he he was about a year. He's a year older than me. So, uh, but yeah, we started home brewing, and that's when you started learning more about the process, more about different ingredients, what different hops do uh, as far as bitterness and aroma and things like that. And then you start to gather an appreciation for, okay, this is what this brewery is going for uh, with this particular, you know, malt profile with a, with a given hot blend uh, or hot, you know, different, uh, you know, different uh, process that they, you know, a different temperature that they might build at or uh, brew at or you know, any number of different things. I mean, it's a, it's a big chemistry project when you're right, absolutely. Beer. Um, you know, what, what yeast does, what specific strains of yeast. So, I mean, that really was a good, uh, way to get a, a strong know-how and, uh, uh, I mean, I was fortunate that very early on I started brewing because that helped me. It's like, oh, yeah, I do want to try the Citra Hops IPA because Citra is the big hop right now. So let's go check it out and let's see what we can try from, oh, look, this brewery's got one. This brewery's got this this one. And then you kind of grab them all together and you, you know, throw them back and be like, okay, this one's the best one. Well, what's this brewery? What are the, what are they about? What have they been doing? And, uh, yeah, it's there's a lot. I mean, there's no strong definitive way to do it, I don't right, think. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, that is one that definitely definitely helped me. Yeah, and it's like uh, no brewery is probably going to be the best at every style of beer Mm-mm. that they're going to take and make them because of that. But you might like a certain beer from one brewery versus another brewery versus another brewery, and yeah, so on and so on. There aren't a ton of breweries that I hate, um, except for like mass produced. Well, mass mass produced beer. I mean that it is what it is. It serves its purpose. Uh, I don't partake in it any longer. Uh, but uh what do you yeah. mean you don't drink the schlitz when you need to <laughs> um but uh yeah the uh um you just go and really you i mean i don't i don't know what else to say i mean like it's it's just such a experimental process um trial by fire you want to get out there and you need to taste like you need to take and try things yeah, out and um, just you know like for me like well for example like i've become since moving back to the midwest become a big fan of like the michigan beers mm-hmm. um specifically uh the bells brewery stuff but it's like i like the two hearted and yeah. over, I, I like two specific beers off their 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 roster which are two-hearted and oberon very well because they're pretty standard like there's there's no frills about them they're really good like they're not trying to put a lot of like crazy like right blends or varieties inside them they're good beers and um i think you just need to take an have like discovery to go out there when we first went out mm-hmm. to bells it's like okay what do you want i was like i have no idea sure so i randomly picked the one that had the fish on it because it looked cool and then it turned out to be the closest thing to the favor- flavor palette that I had is been drinking out in mm-hmm. Seattle for the longest time. So it's interesting. It's just, so you're saying practice, but the question that I also have too is like with anything that comes a price, like there's a price tag that's mm-hmm. involved with this, this price, does price correlate to anything of quality in terms of beer? Like, cause you can have prices generally from like an economic standpoint mm-hmm. is supply and demand. The market will dictate what it is. Are the most expensive beers, 
always the ones you want to take and go for it? Like, is that going to take in? Granted, I understand that there's personal preference mm-hmm. involved, but is that going to take and correlate anything? Like, the there, beer, the I would today, say yeah. there's probably a correlation. Um, at when you're talking, uh, like your barrel aged beers, there is a probably a strong correlation, or I shouldn't say strong. There's a correlation. Uh, between the price tag and the quality. Um, there are not a lot of brewers out there who are making barrel-aged beers, really good barrel-aged beers, um, where they're dirt cheap. They're, they're a handful, but uh, they're, cert- they're higher priced, and that's well, indicative of a longer process, a right. more expensive process, uh, and generally yields a better quality product. And a limited quantity. Right. Um, the uh, As far as, like run-of-the-mill like a, a brewery's flagship stuff uh not as not as much there are some really great uh brewers out there who don't charge very much for their beer um i mean stone brewing which granted they have big economies they're a huge brewery uh but their beer is consistently good um and they have you can get it anywhere i mean i can go get arrogant a bastard i get a, a bomber of arrogant bastard for like four bucks you know um you can go get lagunitas stuff just about anywhere now uh, in the country and like a Lagunitas IPA. Like I had one on tap at the Metro the other night for $6. I mean, there's flagship stuff, not as much. Anything that when you're starting to talk stouts, porters, uh, barrel age stuff, uh, that's when you're going to start seeing price increases and uh, a significant difference in quality and a significant difference in price. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, like you look at um, like three Floyds will do, Dark Lord Day, and then they'll they'll put the barrel age uh, versions of Dark Lord out that they do, and it their ticket the way they do everything everything's all inclusive. We've talked about this before, but that beer like when you go on the aftermarket uh, will sell for depending on which which variant it is. I mean two hundred three hundred up to a thousand plus dollars depending on year and things. Uh, it's I mean that's lunacy. I would never I would never spend that much on it, but uh, that I mean that's reality. There there are beers out there that go for hundreds to thousands of dollars that have been barrel aged. That um, part of its hype, part of its quality, but uh, it's certainly uh, price does tick up when you start talking about uh, uh, big name brewers with barrel aged stuff that is uh, perceived of high quality. Yeah, um, and I guess there, there's a there's all yeah. The, I think speaking of perceived high quality, there's a perception that when you barrel something and you put a beer in a barrel that it's going to improve it um there are a lot of times it doesn't yeah it's never you'd never know how but the if science you, is going to work if for you it. have a good a good brewer has a strong knowledge of their barreling program and they know what they're doing uh there are times though where you get infections and exactly, stuff yeah. turns up you know like a uh, goose island had a serious issue with bourbon county where they had a bunch of stuff that was suspected just to have been dumped because the whole batch was ruined, um, right. which led to scarce issues. I mean, pricing wasn't which necessarily... Which the price up. wasn't necessarily impacted on the retail end of things because they have scale. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are uh, there are serious issues that can arise when you barrel-age stuff. It's a, it's a very, very much a risk-reward thing for a brewer because it takes a hell of a lot more time and effort for them to run a barrel program. Yeah, interesting. So people have asked explicitly beyond the like the stuff that we've tried on mm-hmm. the shows, but like why do we pick the beers that we're doing? Besides the education part, um, sometimes it's we're just goofy about it. Just uh, trying, you know, we're just trying creative stuff. We're yeah. just trying to do that. Um, I like to showcase 
you know, being bo- both of us from the Midwest, I like to showcase Midwest beers. Um, you know, I've done, we've done plenty of California based beers or West coast beers because I'm out there too. Um, but I mean, most of the stuff is accessible, like I said. And, uh, um, the other, I think, you know, we, sometimes it, it ties in with a given theme uh, or a, a segment that we've done on the show. Um, so that's, uh, y- even, even if it's not obvious to a listener, it's obvious to you and me. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, that's kind of a, kind of another one that, you know, we don't always make obvious, but, uh, you know, if we're just joking around about something, be like, all right, well, this is the beer for the week because it matches up with something we talked about. Um, you know, so yeah, there's a, uh, th- those are probably the main reasons I'd say, I mean, the hot tub beer of the week though, that's what, like, how do you choose that one? Cause that's, uh, I'm not, I'm not as privy to that, uh, to that information, uh, when you make those picks. Uh, the, it's, uh, it's like, uh, what South Park did when they were taking and making fun of family guy, how they chose the episodes for writing it. <laughs> it's a bunch of manatees, the manatees. <laughs> manatees pushing balls across the thing. It's a, you know, there's 31 secret sauce spices and blends that we can't really give up for the hot tub beer of the week, but no, it's usually from that perspective. It's usually something that is uh, accessible, tasty that people are going to want to have mm-hmm. as they're like, you know, the hot tub beer, the hot tub notion is it's relaxation. Sure. And so the whole thing that I'm trying to figure out is something that's not going to be too crazy. It's going to help you relax and just kick off. And usually it's something that's a lager, you yeah. know, or something completely silly. That's right. usually what it goes there for that. It's never like, it's not saying that none of these other beers we drink, um, in hot tubs it's that's not what i'm saying at all. right it's right. just usually it's like trying to get the mindset of like yeah you're gonna be able to relax with this and not have to worry about you know mm-hmm. you know life for a little bit yeah but. like another point uh with the uh accessibility is uh i think there's a perception i mean i know there's a perception of uh craft beer as being you know snobby and people who like beer geeks can be a little bit uh, over the top as far as uh um you know, being judgmental about giving beers and things like that. And, uh, I just like to try and, I mean, yeah, I could go to my cellar and I could pull out a bunch of really rare beers that no one's ever going to be able to get. Um, or you'd have to seriously try to go get, and like, that's not fun for me because I want to try and get more people into it. Right. I'd, right. you know, I'm not expecting, you know, some of the beers where I've gone and I've sat in line overnight for six, eight, ten hours at a time. Uh, like I'm not expecting the average person to go and do that. Like I, I've done it. I don't do it as much anymore, but uh, I mean, it certainly benefited me. I've gotten some really great beer from doing so, uh, but like, that's not for everybody. And like, but there is, I think, a craft beer for almost everybody. Right. There's some sort of variety that they could choose. Yeah, that. and I think that like, I think people would be surprised when I think too. Like, there's just a lot of mis- misconception about oh, oh, it's a craft beer. It's really heavy, or oh, it's a craft beer. Like, it's all hops. It's like, no, they're not all that. Like, beer has you know a just gargantuan number of different styles, and then there's plenty of beers that define or that defy styles completely. Um, and to to that point, it's like, why not? try and find people a beer that uh you know yeah sure it's a little different from what you're used to drinking but hey you might like this and it might open up an entirely new journey for you uh to check out new beers new breweries i mean honestly the brewing business is huge right now the craft craft beer is expanding and macro brews are declining i mean yeah sure macro brews are still the gargantuan lion's share of the market but they're declining like these big breweries are buying craft breweries because that's the cheapest option for them to stop losing market share yeah to take and have new recipes come in the mm-hmm. house too like i mean to your point of like exploration like it was the new glaris um the like the lambic series is like the fruit beers 
that really got something that mm-hmm. was me. Like I would never like, no, no, I don't like this. But then the Belgian red and the serendipity and then the raspberry tart are like, whoa, these are basically wines. Like these yeah. are things that are really, really good. Um, yeah. But without it, having that exploration there, it's like you would never, I would have never like decided like, oh, that's a, something that's going to take and be right. tasting better than my Red Hook ESB, which is also a f- fine, fine beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about one of the reasons why you're back here in Chicago um, and one of the reasons that you as a beer lover are pretty excited for the month of August yes. is uh, it would be around uh, going up to Madison, mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin for the great taste of the Midwest. Yes. Um, so I want to take and open the floor to you and tell everybody a little bit. Of, I, we've talked about it in our previous topics of like beer events mm-hmm. to do, um, but let's talk about it from a standpoint of like what excites you about the festival in general Mm. what excites you about this year's festival who goes what's cool about it like what just like the overall like the happy the happy yeah uh, the happy overall trees and clouds of this uh this we got bob ross painting a picture here um this is uh my favorite beer event uh i think is the most uh professionally run the uh best variety of beer uh just uh, the best venue for it. Uh, there's, I don't have a negative. I can't find a negative of this event. I've been going since 2011, I think 2011, or 2012. Um, it is a uh, great taste in Midwest, and it, they hold hold it up in Madison, right at a park, right on the water, um, in between the lakes uh, up in Madison. If anyone's, there's two really big lakes right near downtown Madison, and uh, so for those who are not familiar, it's you know just a gorgeous area. And uh, this is the showcase where anyone who's anybody in the Midwest, uh, as far as brewing or making mead or any you know fermented beverages outside of wine, um, they are they are there. And no toilet wine either. <laughs> There's no toilet wine. Uh, I mean, and there will be. They sell tickets. They keep a very limited crowd. It's between uh, six thousand, maybe seven thousand tickets being sold, and then they have. Uh, uh, a number of donated tickets and things like that, but uh, you have um, just a, a huge variety of beers. You're talking upper hundreds into thousands of beers. PBR Schlitz. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, there are, you know, like Wine and Kugel is there, so they'll have some random stuff. But uh, every and the, this is kind of like the showtime for. Uh, it's one of the big events where these breweries will bring out what they consider to be their best beers or their favorite beer that they're making right now. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's like a uh, beer trade show of what Midwest beer is going to kind be of, kind of, except for you pay and you get to drink as much as you want. And there's no, there's no additional transactions or anything like that. Like you show up and they you hand you a glass and then you walk around and you say, please, sir, I'd like some more. Oh, I transact. Um, <laughs> um, so hey. they have uh, all, I mean, these brewers will bring out their barrel age stuff. They'll bring out experimental stuff, uh, uh, sours and, and just all sorts of random, I mean, flagship beers. I mean, you get the, the full spectrum of uh, what breweries have to offer. Um, and, uh, it's really fun. There's food, there's, uh, you know, there's place that's shady. So you, not shady as in bad, just shady, like there's places to sit and relax and you can wander, wander about the park. You get very intoxicated at the end of the day and then you go eat something for dinner and then you go to bed and it's five hours of, of wholesome family, wholesome fun. family fun. If you like beer. Nice. Nice. 
Now, we've talked about it that you have to go get tickets in advance. Is there any way that you can get tickets still? Uh, uh, Craigslist, um, you can go and show up in front of the gate. And, and try to and procure Someone some. will inevitably be trying to get rid of, not scalp necessarily, but people who bought tickets were like, hey, man, you know, whoever was coming with me bailed. I got one. Um, you know, kind of thing. The the way they sell tickets, they you either have to go in person to a number of different locations around Madison. Uh, usually requires you to camp out and wait until they go on sale. And then uh, it's one day a year that they put them on sale. Um, the other way you can go about it is you they have a very offline raffle uh, where you have to send in a uh, self-addressed stamped envelope with a check in it. And uh, if your check gets cashed, you know you got tickets coming. If uh, nothing gets cashed and you wind up with an envelope in the mail one day and it's got your check in it, you know you didn't get tickets. Uh, and they so they kind of split it half and half of tickets that are in person versus tickets that do go through the raffle. Uh, you got about a twenty five percent chance or so. so. It's been as high as like thirty thirty five percent before, but uh, right now we kind of peg it at about twenty five percent chance of winning tickets when you go through the raffle. Interesting, awesome. So uh, one of the final questions that i have for you about this is like you obviously get excited for this this is like a this is like christmas morning mm-hmm. christmas eve and all that uh what beers are you like is there any beers that are on tap for you that you're like super excited to try like is there any things that you've heard through the the, through the grapevine and the 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 thing with this is they're the taps they they publish a uh a, a program a paper program uh, which has just come out. Uh, there, I think it came out Monday night, uh, but it changes because a lot of breweries will wait on certain beers to bring in, and then they do like time tappings where they'll just be like, "Oh, we're gonna put this on tap for an hour. Come get it." Uh, so you don't necessarily know everything that's gonna be brought. Um, right, looking at this year's Bell's has a, f- a fantastic lineup. Uh, and then, uh, really what I'm looking forward to is uh, uh, there's a brewery up in Amherst, Wisconsin called Central Waters, and they've brought. Uh, a variety of different barrel-aged stouts, which I've had several of them, but uh, they do just fantastic barrel-aged beer, uh, and it's always a go-to. And then there's uh, another uh, brewery in Iowa called Toppling Goliath. Uh, they will they haven't posted what they're bringing yet, but uh, they'll have all of their big stuff uh, at one point or another. They have uh, probably one of the most hyped beers out there right now. Uh, in Morning Delight, uh, there's you know there's other beers that are very pumped up, but uh, that's one. Uh, and then they have another style called Assassin, and uh, yeah, it's just they're world class beers. The line is exceedingly long to go there and and get it when they announce it. Uh, so that's part of reason why they don't necessarily always post exactly when it's going to be. Um, so that there's not a gargantuan crowd because it takes away from other breweries because right, there's a lot sure. of good stuff. Um, so like, whereas before we used to be like, Oh, like they're going to have this on tap at one. They're going to have this on tap at two. Like, let's get, make sure we're in that line. We've gotten more to the point where it's like, yeah, there's probably five to 10 beers that are going to come out at a given time where it's like, okay, we need to go get that. Um, but a lot of it is exploration now. So where we've had so many of these different beers over the course of a decade that now we're, it's like, all right, well, hey, there's this new spot. They're getting a little buzz. Let's go see what they've got. Right, and right, trying right. two or three different beers from them versus, you know, standing in a 45-minute line to get, like, a three-ounce pour of, of something bourbon county. Had, yeah. yeah. Um, which, don't get me wrong, great beer, excellent beer. But, you know, at this point in time, it, it doesn't make as much sense for me. Whereas for someone who's new or newer where they're like, man, I've never had this. I've always wanted to get my hands on it. Yeah, that, that weight might be worth the, worth the time for you. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it works, and that's that's where we're at with it right now. 
Awesome. Any final parting words on this uh, this beer topic? Of no, how man. We, we, we talked too long about beer. We gotta we gotta move on. But we're a beer podcast. We, we are devolved conversation. We are. But uh, yes, well, I mean, let's devolve I, it even more. It would be a serious fiasco if we had to do this podcast Saturday night. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. If I hope you don't show up and try and make me podcast on Saturday night. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, because uh, I can't guarantee my consciousness past eight o'clock. <laughs> When you get to Outback Steakhouse? Oh uh, no, we won't do Outback. It's we stay in a. Uh, I mean, um, so they they provide all the transportation for you, um, if you if you so choose. That's a big plus. You can't drive to the event, so there's no drunk driving, and they subsidize all the cab rides, so it only costs you a buck to go literally anywhere in Madison, and then you just tip the driver. That's awesome. Um, so that's a big plus. Uh, yeah, the uh, no, we'll wind up at one of maybe there's three or four establishments near the hotel. Uh, one of which is a Denny's. We've done that. Uh, there's a Mexican restaurant, which I believe is closed, which my friend dumped an entire bottle of ibuprofen all over the floor at when we were there a couple of years ago. Um, then there is a Quaker Steak and Lube, uh, which is a, I don't know, I'm not going there. Uh, J- our, our friend knows about it, but um, I, uh, no thanks. It's like a fast food place. Uh, and then there's a few other spots around there, but uh, oh, I think there's a PF Chang's. Now that oh. would be dangerous. If I get hammered and go to PF Chang's, you know we're having a good day. Just a bunch of orange <laughs> chicken all up in your grill. <laughs> so many spring rolls. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's the usual plan of attack. You go, you wake up, you eat the hotel breakfast, you get a solid base. Then you go, you get to the shuttle. The shuttle takes you over there. You stand in line for a half hour, 45 minutes. You get in, you start drinking, you drink for five hours. Uh, then you get back on the shuttle. You go back to your uh, hotel area. You eat dinner. You go to bed. Sounds sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. Top notch. Top notch. Can't recommend it enough. So if you're ever in Madison, uh, the second Saturday in August, uh, or well, obviously you have to buy the. You can go greattaste.org, buy the you know look at it, the information and everything, and then uh, uh, plan your plan your trek out. I highly recommend it if you're ever into beer. Very cool. Very cool. I like it. I like it. But we gotta we gotta move, Patrick, because we I, I'll babble about beer all goddamn night. So uh, let's let's adjourn and do a, uh, a another fun topic for we're, we're gonna go down into the the, uh, uh, the the avenue of nostalgia, so Ooh. to speak. Uh, you know, you being a man who uh, knows his way around a uh, personal computer, I have been you, known to type you've, on you've, one. You've known to you know every now and again use a word processing program or something of that Lotus nature. One, two, three. <laughs> uh, but we got to talk about entertainment options on on those because uh, you and I both grew up in the era where we've seen so much uh, improve as far as technology is concerned. But uh, we got to talk about the the olden days when uh, you know you, you felt uh, like you were gonna plop yourself down in the computer chair. Then go into that uh, little binder and or uh, case and uh, bust out some uh, floppy disks and fire those puppies up and see what kind of gaming you could get yourself into. Oh, my God. <laughs> see, like the weirdest part about all of like floppy disk gaming that I could think about is I don't think that's any safe way for anybody to learn what dysentery is. <laughs> is by like you've got dysentery as you're crossing the river with in the Oregon Trail, you know. Streets like, is hard back then. Streets is hard. <laughs> Your horse is drowning. It's like, damn, this is vicious, man. Like like Oregon Trail was one of the ones that for me uh was amazing. Are we just talking floppies or are we just talking like old school games in general? Well, because I mean, you dive in and we can we can move from there if we if we feel that the uh conversation has resolved of its own momentum. Yes, it's, I use volition, <laughs> but it's the same. Like I think for me the the I loved the PC games. I yeah. loved them growing up and I remember there was like 
I remember that you had the, there. There were kind of like two types of PC games. There was the games that you had in school that you'd play at okay. recess. Reader or, Rabbit. Yeah. Reading Rabbit. Was it? Number you, Munchers. Baby's Beak and Teacher's Typing. I guess that wasn't really a game. It was more of a typing thing. But like, definitely, uh, Oregon Trail was one. Uh, where in the world was Carmen Sandiego? Oh, yeah. Yep. Did yep. you ever play like Nigel's World? Like it was a game that was on like the. I you know. had to go to the library and or computer lab to go play it. No, I mean, yes to the go into the computer lab, uh, for sure. But never Nigel's World. I don't oh, know what, of this what you speak. It, it was a game where you discover things. It was probably like a more Ooh. dumbed down, uh, uh, you know, a more dumbed down Carmen Sandiego okay. thing, but. I I was a huge fan of the number munchers too. You like, like you like number, munching. Yeah. Like, so and you didn't become an accountant. No. Well, the number <laughs> muncher did not teach you how to become an accountant. It taught you how to like They start rap- them early. Rapidly, they start them early. Like, <laughs> rapidly go through to uh rote memorization. Right, right. It's like pattern recognition and everything like that, but I think hands down the Oregon Trail was the best way to learn about life and the hardships in life. Like straight up as yeah. like a second grader like learning like in that when you saw that green font come across <laughs> of like, oh, you died of dysentery or you didn't shoot, shoot, yeah. enough, shoot enough squirrels to take it and make it through the trip. It, it definitely taught you a lot about uh, the, uh, you know, hunting to extinction of a certain species. Well, it was funny because you play that game. You'd play like Oregon Trail. Then you play original Doom uh-huh. at home, like on, <laughs> at IDKFA. And then you'd get like, ah. and then Duke Nukem, <laughs> the original stuff. It's like. Man, if they would have just let me play this stuff at school. Was Oregon Trail the original shooter? Yeah. <laughs> Way in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Call the phone line. <laughs> 1-800. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest rub. Is like, you're like, you're on the trail. You're running low on your food supplies. The hard tack is running out. Uh, you, oh, your your fat back bacon is running low. And then uh, you think, hey, you know what? I'm going to shoot myself a nice juicy buffalo for dinner. And then you realize that buffalo weighs like 1,000 pounds, and you can only carry back 200 pounds to the wagon. You were I was screwed. I was always a fan of squirrel hunting because it was so fucking hard to do. It was amazing. It was because you had to use the the, the, arrow, the arrow keys, keys and to you, aim. You, you could only go eight different directions. Yep, <laughs> yep. you could only know like you and that be, squirrel could fucking go anywhere. <laughs> you had to be a perfect marksman on yeah. that. It was absolutely phenomenal. What's say you? What was your favorite game uh, of the PC realm of that may have been on an eight inch or a three and a half inch floppy uh, disk? Solo three and a half disc. I didn't, I, I didn't have the. Uh, the the gargantuan ones, uh, so the three and a half. Carmen San Diego was was a big one for me. Uh, that's being a nerdy kid. Uh, that was up my alley. So was it the Vile Crew? Isn't uh, that the, the? I don't I don't remember. You talk, I'll but uh, yeah, the uh, I like the trivia shit that they had in there, and then like learning about other cities I definitely didn't know anything about, but then it became just a memorization thing. It's like, oh, Reykjavik. Okay, that's where she is. Like, after so many times playing it, you knew there was only a finite number of locations where she could possibly go, and uh, you you found different ways of uh, of discovering it without necessarily uh, having immense knowledge of the world at that point because I was probably five, six, maybe maybe at the oldest, like seven, eight, playing playing that game. Carmen San Diego, sometimes referred to as "Where in the World is Carmen yep. San Diego?" Between 1985 and 1996, a media franchise that originated with the series of educational video I had a games board game developed by American gaming company Broaderbund. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, with fictional character uh, um, that was the Vile Crew. Okay, and you were the, part of the Acme Detective Agency. You were Thwart Crooks. See, whenever it was bad, like whenever, like you, because the whole point is you were trying to guess where you were, and you were trying to do yeah. 
like go through to different things. Is it bad that whenever I got stumped on where I was, I'd be like, oh, they're in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered by the Germans in 1942. <laughs> San I, Diego. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I would say Carmen San Diego is a, definitely towards the top. I like Oregon Trail. Uh uh, not not so much the original one, but like the second version of it, which I don't know if that was on CDs or if that was on three. I mean, the original is great. Don't get me wrong. Oregon Trail 3D. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there there were some other editions of Oregon Trail, which I played a lot of. Uh, and then uh, it's called Big Buck Hunter. Now, if you play <laughs> yeah, at the bar. You go to the bar and play. It. Um, but then uh, I remember in school we always played Reader Rabbit. Like we'd go to the computer lab, and that was your activity. Is like, all right. And they said they've sold twenty five million copies of this game. I guess. I mean, good for them. I, they Dude. started in nineteen eighty three, uh, and then I remember playing on the old Apple computers. Do you remember playing like King's Quest? Like the old Sierra games. Oh, I mean, I remember some of the Sierra games, but uh, not King's Quest. Now, this isn't a floppy disk. This is a, a C- CD-ROM of yes, sorts. Yes, indeed. But do you remember, like, the, uh, what is it, the Myst games? The mm-hmm. Where you would basically have, like, five discs that you'd have to, like, keep <laughs> changing between? Oh, man, that was the worst yeah, when you had to change like, discs. you just, like, walk through. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. I remember, I mean, we had a... I don't even remember the brand of the PC that we had. I mean, it was, uh, it, it worked. Uh, there was this casino game that my dad had on it that I figured out how to run. I'm yep. sure he probably let me in on it. Um, and it was, just, <laughs> it was Bettis, please. <laughs> like the, the voice software and everything was, but the best part about it was if you ran out of money, they punted you out of the casino. So you just got a graphic of like the security <laughs> guards kicking you in the ass and sending you out of the casino. That's hilarious. And I didn't know how to play any of the games, but uh, I mean, I, I learned blackjack because it was like, all right, you just have to try and get 21. And so that worked for me. I'm uh, 19. I got to <laughs> hit again. It's like, no, don't do that. Well, yeah, cl- they, they price is right at me. They said, Hey, just don't try and go over it. Okay, that's fine. So learn that one. Uh, but uh, the other, the other, I, we, used to get cheap games i mean we weren't particularly rich or anything like that so we got this like crappy basketball game that was like street basketball and i don't i'm pretty positive it was bootleg of some sort like it, it we bought it at kmart Ooh, that's um, danger. and they had like eight different uh characters you could choose from and you just played street ball well, i found like all of the programming weaknesses in it by playing it so much so it's like oh if i shoot from here i'm going to make it every time regardless of what player so all right run over here clink 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 just dropping them in there and uh yeah i don't think i lost a game uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I got, I couldn't even tell you the name of it, but uh, I remember just having a plethora of poorly designed games. Uh, and that's obviously, I shouldn't say I, they were probably fine for one point in time, but uh, they were like, even as a kid, I was like, huh, the Sega Genesis looks a hell of a lot better than this. <laughs> it was, and it was more, uh, it was easier accessible, but the whole computer stuff was computers are expensive mm-hmm. for what you got. Like, but it's like it's a good thing that we did get exposed to computers. Who knew that they were going to be so? They were going to stick around. Yeah, you know, know the PC, <laughs> personal crap. No, nope, no, nope, not PC. I remember we got a gateway computer, the cow uh, boxes, the cow box, and everything. I think this was like 1998 uh, with a CD-ROM drive. I think it probably had like 512 megabytes of RAM, maybe probably even less. Uh, who knows? But. Uh, yeah, that thing, that was when I got into CD-ROM gaming. That's where everything changed because I had Need for Speed. We had the steering wheel. We had sure, NASCAR sure. racing games. We had uh, the NASCAR racing yeah, games. My brother I had a that. very terrible version of, a uh, skinned version of Duke Nukem. 
which was called Nam, and it was a Vietnam War game. Uh, and we got it at Kmart. <laughs> I used to play a lot of the flight simulator games. Those I liked, and fun. we didn't ever have any of them. I but because uh, they always took a lot to run because you had to have huge maps. And I was and just stuff. terrible at like wanting. I never wanted to do any of the actual because they were simulators. Not it's not a game. It's you are trying to fly this plane. Well, I just crashed the damn plane. Like yeah. that was that was more fun. Trying so to like, land it. Oh, like I'm in Chicago. All right, let's take off from Meg's Field and yep. off we go. Like, uh, oh, hold on, get me in the 747. Let's see what, what we can you do. You and with I this. did the same exact thing. <laughs> it was more like a boat trip instead of an actual yeah. like. So, uh, I mean, yeah, the the CD-ROM games. My, I didn't personally have the flight simulators, but we would go to my great grandma's house and my great uncle had the had a flight simulator so we would i would go down there and putz around on that um but yeah i mean the the racing games were definitely ones that got me in um on on the computer games i need for speed three is need for speed three hot pursuit i think one of the first games that yeah. i remember was like the dino park tycoon oh well the tycoon games the ultimate i mean we're we're di- diverting from uh, uh floppy disks but the ultimate cd-rom game is roller coaster tycoon yes I mean, well, I started with. Dino I, will, Park. I will if you, if you had Roller Coaster Tycoon up right now, I would be playing it. Okay, we might be able to. I, that is one of my favorite games of all time. We might be able to accommodate your Roller Coaster <laughs> Tycoonness. But do you remember playing like Sim City too, or not Sim? Sim the City original Sim City, well. yeah, yes. yeah. I I do remember playing that. Uh, so not hard. Very challenging, especially when you are a child and you just want to blow things up. Yep. So, I mean, at least when I, I forgot what, uh, what version that they introduced all the disasters into, but when you could pinpoint what disaster you wanted to happen. Right. So like, Oh, we got the Chicago fire going on. We got a tornado at the same time and a plane's crashing. Yep. <laughs> but do you remember the one where you would put in the cheat code to get all the money and then the aliens ship would come and take was, it? Abduct what you? was the cheat code? I forgot. I can't remember what the code was, but it would give you all the money and un- unlimited unlocks. Okay. And so you would take and do that. You because in The Sims, it was Rosebud. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Rosebud. Yeah. It's a wagon. Because <laughs> mm. that was a bit like Sim City was great, but I, and The Sims was also fantastic. I never played The Sims much. But I, but just, I would always cheat because it was no fun to do it the way you were supposed to do it. Right. Um, you know, I want the money. Life. I want the. I want to build the mansion. I want to put... You know, I had my guitar, so I, I wound up being like a, a musician for my job because you know, they don't let you just cheat and buy everything. Like you have to have a career and stuff, and because otherwise your guy becomes depressed, and then you know you put him in the pool, and then you take the ladder out, and he drowns. What's what's <laughs> what's what's his career? He's the dude. The room really tied the rug together. The rug really tied the room together. There you go. Let's flip it. So, um, any other like any other computer games you've been rocking? Not in the not, floppy not world. Not in the floppy not world. In the floppy world. We it, the it was a very narrow time for us. I think with the floppies. Um, I think know. from the educational point to, like, it was the early to it was, it was the nineties. Yeah. You know, and the CD came out, and they knew they had a lot more space they could work with. I know? remember having Encyclopedia Britannica on CD. Jesus. <laughs> and that replaced your whole shelf of uh, World Book encyclopedias. Yeah. I, I had the World Book Encyclopedias. The I, books themselves? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I read the shit out of the encyclopedia. I was a nerd. What's the most interesting fact you remember from the encyclopedia? I, don't know, I used to read about World War II and stuff all the time. Please tell so. me it was dysentery just to double check on the Oregon <laughs> Trail. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, I'll still do, I'll, I'll Wikipedia myself into a wormhole. So, uh, I mean, it's just a. Uh, it's just reading. It's like, oh, that's interesting. See also. Okay, flip the page. Like, I ain't got shit to do. 
So, yeah, I mean. It was your great choose your own adventure. It, it was, yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> but that's not why we called, okay? We're talking video games, damn it. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we, don't need to, we don't need to examine why I am the way that I am. <laughs> yes, we do. I think uh, we do. But, uh, yeah, did you ever get into any, like, any other sports games on the computer? We That's, like, like, a genre that I didn't get into. I, it was it always was really racing tough. games or, like, shooting games. Yeah, it was really tough. We had, like, an NBA game. Everything else we did game-wise was always on, um, on, the, it console. Was on the console. Yeah. It was just a lot easier because you had the controller. Things just – computers back in the days that have peripherals just yeah. did not work well. So, like – it's I, like, like I remember how excited my dad was when he got the steering wheel with the pedals to work, and then it also had the shifter, so you literally could do everything except for work a clutch, but you just you know shifted with the you know with the shifter. So uh, that was fun because I used to drive around the Lamborghini Diablo, Midtown in, uh, Madness, in uh, what was it Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Cops weren't catching me. <laughs> Cops weren't coming near me with that. I mean, yeah, they might get me with a spike strip, but uh, you know what are you going to do at that point? I don't you're, know. You're doing 175 miles an hour. I mean, the spike strip comes up like that. Drinking with your road soda. <laughs> you, know? Just, uh, you could baby driver that, throw the spike strip <laughs> back at the car. Yeah, there you go. Great film, by the way, if yeah, you haven't seen it. Yeah, excellent movie. Enjoyable movie. Uh, well, yes, Patrick. Well, while we're on the topic of speed. Whilst we are on. Whilst the- this is a perfect time Segu. to uh, segue into Segu. a wonderful discussion that we have planned. Uh, because, well, I like speed. You like not not amphetamines. <laughs> the American we li- film. We like to drive at many miles per hour and or be driven at miles. or be driven at, at a high rate of speed. Velocity. And uh, I mean, what was better than uh, being at you know 1994 and you have that need for speed? And Hollywood brought it to you. They brought it to you with the wonderful film with Keanu Reeves, Speed. See, whenever I take and think about speed. The movies. Mm-hmm. I think about like I think about Frank Costanza saying, "I wrote a, pr- I watched a provocative <laughs> movie." Going back to Sagu, back to our computer topic, with the girl from the movie The Bus, and it was about the computers, and it's like the movie about the bus. It's like you don't equate speed with bus, right? Like, and and it was great. And I think the whole thing that we would need to talk about with speed is not just the the the, the amazing Keanu Reeves film of speed. Right. We have to, it was a franchise. It was. It, 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 it shall be known. It had a. Uh, it, it birthed a uh, a child, a sequel, so to speak. A sequel. And, and uh, yeah, it it, uh, it it the sequel did things. It was uh, it was in movie theaters. Yes. <laughs> so I think we were going to talk about speed versus speed two. Well, yeah. just let's talk about it in general. Well, we got it. Yeah, the comparisons are. Uh, are there, but uh, yeah, I mean, give me your background. Like, when did you first see the movie, the first movie, Speed? I think I saw it like right when it came out on oh, VHS. Really? Yeah. Okay. So after it was out of the theater. Yeah, I don't think I was. You went old down enough. to the blockbuster and uh, scooped it up. Yeah, pops didn't care. He sent. We saw a lot of those movies, like really up, right when they kind of came out. When did Speed come out? Ninety ninety four. Yeah. So I think I saw that pretty much right off the bat. Um, Keanu was cool. Like it was interesting because. 94 would have been, I think, Dumb and Dumber came out in 93. Somewhere in the, that right? frame, yeah. So we had seen Dumb and Dumber, and we saw Jeff Daniels, not Bridges. <laughs> not Bridges. In Dumb and Dumber. What, and if, then, what if we redid it, though? <laughs> what if we had Jeff Bridges and Speed? <laughs> yeah. And then it was like Dennis Hopper. Like It was such a good movie. 
it was so like it was i know we're going to talk about this in the future episodes of stuff but like the action films from there like the pyrotechnics like were all done on purpose right Mm -hmm. and it was a very very good film and it took you for three different things you learned who what was his name jack wasn't jack his first name uh what was his first name i think it's that um offhand i mean yeah it's jack it's jack Um, we learned Officer like, Jack Traven, 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 something like those lines. Keanu Reeves, and then you had Dennis Hopper, like the whole elevator scenes where you are introduced to Dennis Hopper, then you think he mm. dies, and then he's like he just embeds himself into knowing this. It was like the first movie that I remember as a kid that had like really, really adult psychological like implications of it that I could start to understand. Sure, you know, because granted, when it came out, I was what 94 would have been nine years old mm-hmm. um still a young buck yeah still learning my ways around uh life and life's pursuits not necessarily uh privy to terrorism or things right, of that right, nature right but i thought it was entertaining like some of the stuff that got me was like just the fact that it was like a contrarian kind of thing mm-hmm. like he had to like in those things you'd think about either going way too fast or way too slow and it was just like how most people would shy away and go away from the bus. And yet this guy's trying to go on the bus and all <laughs> these other things. And it's like a bus doesn't equate to speed, especially a bus. In a, and I guess that's why it's a great movie because a bus in LA traffic, <laughs> <laughs> how do you keep it right. at 55 miles an hour? Yeah. That's a, uh, that's certainly a challenge uh, for, uh, yeah. I mean, we've sat through LA traffic in the car together uh, going significantly less than 50 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, I mean, that's the interesting part. It's like, yeah, you, you see, oh, it's speed. Like, yeah, you think, oh, they're going to be hauling ass this whole time. You know, you think of, uh, I want to go fast. Yeah. I want to drive. <laughs> it's like, just Ricky Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they're, they're, they're cruising at a leisurely pace. They just can't go too slow. Yes. They can't stop up their normal <laughs> speed limit. Like, you know, they were just doing five over for the speed limit at that time. <laughs> That's not that much speed. No, I mean, until the com- they get to the airport. Obviously, the commercial vehicle uh, uh, speed limit maybe is slightly different. I don't, I can't attest to what it was back then, but uh, certainly they were not burning things down. Right, right. So, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the movie itself? Like, it is you, as we were taking and prepping for this. You told me it was an Academy Award winning film. Oh, it it won more than one, my friend. It won two. Uh, specifically, uh, I mean the best, uh, sound mixing, which is a, okay. uh, a good, you know, obviously there's, there's plenty to do on that front sound editing though. That's the big one because they had to edit out all of Keanu Reeves farts from, uh, being on set. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, well, they'll fix it in post. Yeah. They'll fix it in post. And that's, that's what they did. And I'm, I'm that Keanu Reeves, I, I'm not attesting that it actually happened. I'm not slandering Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Dennis Hopper just ate a lot of chili. <laughs> we got to dig into another take. Hopper's explosive yeah. right now. Uh, but yeah, they won two Academy Awards. They won sound editing and sound mixing at the 67th Academy Awards. That's so crazy. Good for them. I mean, obviously, no one going into this was anticipating uh, any sort of Academy Award victory in the acting realm, I don't think. Uh, if, if it was anything, it was going to be in effects or in uh, you know editing of some sort. Yeah, but it was a good movie in general in terms of like the effects. I mean, it's got to be massive. You got to think about how hard it is to film that type of movie. Right in los angeles and do all of that stuff like you know with all that is going on and all the freeways like how massive like I'm it made at a ton it, of money i mean it, i'm looking it at it right now they're like a 30 million dollar budget i think they made like 10 or 12 times that i think it was like 300 
300, uh, 350 million. So their budget was estimated uh, 30 million. Okay. And they're saying IMDb is saying that the gross was 121 in the United States. So, Oh, okay. Four- Gro- you're talking, the, uh, I was, I was looking at box office. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still good. Don't, I mean, anytime you're, you're ahead of the game, I mean, especially with the way they do accounting on movies, uh, uh, that's a that's a goofy business. So I mean, the, yeah, for a movie like this where uh, no one's necessarily thinking of it as this uh, you know beacon of cinema necessarily, uh, that's a that's a pretty good return. So that leads me to the next question. Um, you're sitting there thinking about it, and you're I'm gonna I want to make sure I get the studio correctly um, before I get too far into this. <laughs> You're sitting at a $120 million box office and all this stuff. I think it was Fox. Was it 20th Century Fox who put it out? Uh, yeah, 20th Century Fox distributed it. Yeah. yeah. So so you look at this and you're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's take and put... <laughs> <laughs> let's get this... Let, let's put this franchise on cruise control, per se. Uh, are we and, talking about a vehicle? Like, what kind of vehicle are we talking Are you talking about, like, you're going down, uh, you know, the interstate and you, you know wide open and there's no traffic and you're gonna say hey let's set this bad boy to 80 85 and let it roll or yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about here yeah i don't know we're gonna figure it out but like <laughs> the fact of the matter is is they they thought hey speed one worked let's try this again let's let's put the same formula off of it and then they made speed two and i'm looking at imdb and the budget for their the box office estimate was 160 million dollars so on speed two on speed two okay. from imdb again this is in the internet so take it Oh, I'm from the internet. <laughs> Everything you read, the commercial, uh, anything that you can see there, it's like, so they doubled down. They didn't only just go from bus. They went from like basically <laughs> the equivalent of like 50 buses and took into the cruise liner. Yeah. The, the, the pun there being cruise, cruise control. control. Uh, yes. And one would think, oh yeah, vehicle, you know, car, they're going to, they just got to, you know, keep the pace, you know, let's just do the same thing again. No, fuck that. Let's put them on a goddamn boat, which is even slower. <laughs> it's harder to turn. You can't break it. It's on water. Like, how do you, what are you going to keep it? Keep it over 13 knots? Yeah, otherwise, right. you're going to blow it up. It's like, although it does, it does have, you have more wide open space. So you don't necessarily have to worry about traffic as much. As much. Maritime traffic? Maritime the, the, mar- the maritime traffic isn't as uh, rigorous as, uh, as your, your normal daily grind. See, I think the best part of Speed 2 came about two hours and five minutes into the two-hour and five-minute movie when the <laughs> roll, the credits, the end credits started to roll again. Like, it was not good. It was, it was, it was, they set it on cruise control and it did not cruise well. Well, yeah, and I know that you're not a, uh, the, the thing with sequels is, uh, you know, when you remove one of the main cast members. For sure. It's a problem. And uh, it, it usually doesn't work out well for you and. I mean, not to say that Keanu Reeves is necessarily the, you know, this world. I mean, he's a great, he's, he's good in a lot of movies. He, he does a lot of good things, but I wouldn't call him uh, necessarily the greatest actor that's ever acted. And uh, you're, you're missing him in that movie. It's like, all right, how are you going to drive this? Yeah. You got Sandra Bullock in it. You, you're, you're, you're the Sandra Bullock fan here. I personally don't like her in anything, but uh, I'm not going to judge the movie based on that. She's in plenty of good movies. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're running low on uh, on ammunition at that point when you you have to replace a, a major character right at, for, right from the get go with Jason Patrick. Yeah, which yes. <laughs> is what it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, but yeah, Sandra Bullock while you were sleeping was better than uh, Speed Two. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I did realize that they didn't win any awards for sound editing. So your hypothesis, well, because Keanu, Keanu was not on, on the set, so <laughs> they didn't have to take it, edit those out in post. <laughs> I think it's great. Like the whole concept, uh, we're going to spoiler alert. The movie sucks. Don't watch <laughs> it. But if you happen to watch it, it's got William Defoe in it. And I'm not a William Defoe fan. Like, I don't know. What are your, like, I mean, I, I don't have a, I, I don't hate Willem Dafoe. Uh, I, I suppose that you don't like him. Like I don't like Sandra Bullock. Sure. Uh, that's, uh, uh, it is what it is. Uh, everyone's got their preferences, uh, and that's I just don't like Sandra Bullock. So uh, yeah, I mean Willem Dafoe is fine. It's a lame character, uh, you know that he. Where's plays. my golf clubs? <laughs> Where's my golf clubs? Is all he's asking for, <laughs> and then the golf clubs and golf balls become bombs and sulfur emitting devices, yeah, yeah. and he steals diamonds like off of it. It's like who wouldn't? Why would you put diamonds on a cruise ship? First <laughs> off, like these things don't make any sense. But I think the best part is, like. Okay, so they finally figure out how to get the they they figure how to figure out how to get William Defoe. Uh-huh. Like they they realize the ship's there, they get it mostly evacuated. They figure out what he's doing, and then okay, crap, the boat is going into hit an oil tanker head on. <laughs> okay, sweet, we've avoided hitting yeah. the oil tanker head on. We've turned, we still hit the tanker, right? But we turn it enough so we don't kill everything. Yeah, exactly. We're not going Titanic here, right? And then the the final scene ends up with. You know, okay, they're gonna run the cruise ship into <laughs> the land, yeah. like into the boat, like in like coming in hot on the dock here. Somebody, <laughs> somebody's gonna grab the rope and tie us up. Like it is, oh god, it is yeah, bad. it's uh, it's not great. Uh, I mean, one of the ridiculous parts uh, in in that uh, beyond just uh, the fact that it's like, what do you think is 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 a better hack job because we've talked about hacking on, on previous sure, episodes. Sure, sure. So hacking the Gibson or hacking the stupid ass ship that the Seaborn legend, I think is the name of it. Hacking the Gibson 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like Willem Dafoe's skills on the, on the hacking of the, uh, of this, the, I don't think you're the controls for the cruise ship. I do not think it's required to put leeches on your body to hack a, <laughs> a cruise ship. Like it's not that there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was just a weird movie. It was so boring too. Like it's, you think it would be good? Well, you're on a boat. I mean, at the risk of sounding like the lonely island, I'm on a you're boat. on a boat. Um, there's only so many things that can occur at any sort of rate of speed, and that has to do with anything else coming in, like from the air or or some other means, because that boat ain't going anywhere. Right. <laughs> like the only thing with speed is how much shrimp you can eat at the buffet. Like speed to do you think control? that they do you think they kept uh, up with the buffet during this uh, catastrophe? Like, I mean, because when you have these issues, I mean, those boats are huge. They're like cities. There's got to be areas where they just don't know what's going on. Just I mean, like give you free rolls to take. Yeah, like the Barry room. Manilow impersonator is still going on at nine or something. You know, just got to keep up appearances <laughs> that this is one. Yeah, of Yeah, it's like there. it's like the band going, you know, playing on the Titanic when the ship's going down. You know. Yeah, but that's. Dude, imagine if it was Barry Manilow on the Titanic. <laughs> while it's going down. That would be impressive. <laughs> Singing Mandy. <laughs> um, I mean, they did make they made money, but not, uh, or at least box office. They they covered budget, but obviously, I don't think they profited on the on this film, uh, given the uh, and 
Speed had a, like a thirty million dollar budget, and Speed Two had a hundred and ten to uh, what they they estimate IMDb between. was uh, like one sixty. Well, yeah, one ten to one sixty, depending on what source you use. Like my question is, what are you spending it on? I obviously you had to buy a cruise ship. That Sandra you Bullock probably got a good chunk. Well, you're gonna buy a cruise ship and an oil tanker that you're gonna <laughs> fuck up. So that's gonna cost you a bunch, but. I don't remember much fires. Yeah, because stuff. I mean, as far as main cast, I mean, it's Sandra Bullock, Jason Patrick, Willem Dafoe, like they're the they're the big names. Like the rest of it isn't anyone that you really is is raking in big money. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, they they blew the budget on extras. I mean, <laughs> so let's 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 talk back about speed. What was your favorite speed moment? Oh God, when uh, speed two started. <laughs> Uh, my favorite speed moment. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it the. It's not like an obvious thing. It's, I think it's hilarious that the 105 was completely clear of tra- that they they cleared out everything because that's just fucking physically impossible. Right, right. <laughs> or that they like don't know that the bridge is out. Like, how do you not know that the bridge is <laughs> yeah. out? Yeah. Granted, they it was this was pre Prodigy Internet, so <laughs> this is like see what we're doing. Sagu's back to the last. Maybe one? this all ties in with Sandra Bullock's other hacking movie with. With speed two. Did not have enough AOL discs <laughs> to do that, to take and actually make it work. <laughs> like I think for me the best part was like I liked the part at the beginning with the elevator scene. I thought that was really good because it's like the whole shoot me part where Jack shoots uh I don't even know his character, Jeff Daniels' character in the leg. Mm-hmm. He's like, You're getting a medal for shooting me. Yeah, he's like, he's hairy. Right. Just hairy. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like Nova Nomer. Hairy. <laughs> <laughs> so it should have been Lloyd Christmas and <laughs> Harry with against Dennis Hopper. You fell off the jetway yeah. again? <laughs> no, that's not going to work. But the train scene too. And it was like I remember watching that over and over again trying to see like it did he really just lose his head by hitting that light? That was like Dude, how mad is uh is what's his name? Paint is it pain that uh, after the die pack goes off uh when they're on, yeah. when they're on the tra- Oh boy, that's good. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> It's a gold watch. Check all the databases and stuff. It was perfect. But what about the one lady who was in the bus? Like, after the bus driver gets shot, they're going to let the driver off, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got one little piece of grace to let the the shot driver off. But the lady, all she has to do is sit there, and eventually they'll get there. She runs up to the thing, tries to go, and he detonates the first door. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. People got to know what they're dealing with, and you always got to have that one dummy. Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? So, Patrick, on a scale of one to three, where would you rate speed versus, and then let's get your rating on speed two. One being one good? You, you tell me. I think. Yeah, we'll we'll say three is the best. Yeah, uh, compared to other movies, action movies of that time? Um, if there were, was to be a hypothetical third speed movie that we may or may not be scripting. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think that this is the problem that you run into sequels and trilogies that uh-huh. aren't really good there's only one that's actually defied this and that's star wars star wars was great right. empire strikes back is better and return of the jedi is a good movie mm-hmm. not as good as the first two sure um speed would definitely be the first like the best movie this is i i think it's like the jurassic park syndrome speed is good jurassic park was good lost world was not good the second isn't good <laughs> you know what they need to do they need to start making other keanu reeves movies and sequels to see if it's him you know they need to make jason patrick and other keanu reeves movies okay and compare at, at, for sequels yeah. so replacements two with <laughs> jason patrick hardball two. hardball two 
The Matrix 4 with Jason <laughs> Patrick. Uh, chain Reaction. Okay. All right. You remember that one? Yeah, we're on to something here. Bill and Ted. The, the Lake House 2? The Lake House 2? Isn't, that, isn't he in the Lake House? Keanu? John, John Wick 3? <laughs> Some of them he's already doing his second one. Yeah, on yeah, there, yeah. But like, so I would give it a three out of three in terms of like it was an entertaining movie. Okay, it, so your your speed, speed speed is on my top, probably in my top twenty five movies of all time. Okay, okay, that's that's respectable. Uh, yeah. So but I speed mean, two is twenty six. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so like, if I was talking about three speed movies, say there was a hypothetical third sequel uh, or a third movie in the trilogy, it's gonna go speed whatever the hell I'm working on for my speed, my next speed script, and then speed two. Would your speed three be speed skating? Let's find out. Let's find Ooh. out. <laughs> I would pick something really, really slow. like uh, Even like, slower? Like, like speed slug tank. racing. Yeah. Okay. No, it would be like snowmobile. It would be like some like <laughs> winter one. No, some of those snowmobiles rip around pretty good, man. Right, but this would be a slow one. You can't get it above. No, a okay, so you got <laughs> you got to go on the tow rope. You've got like a pace car, which is a grandma with a walker. Hit the pace <laughs> call. Yep. All right, my man. Well, let us. Uh, we'll let's adjourn from speed, and let's. Uh, why don't you tell? Uh, give give everyone a little reminder of uh, where they can find things and uh, where they can uh, check us out on the internets and hack into our Gibson, so to speak. Thank you, Steve, for taking and being here for episode twenty-six, our Kyle Corver episode. We never put anything on cruise control on this oh this podcast, <laughs> but what you can do is if you haven't done so, go to ohthispodcast.com. You can take and go to the support tab there, and there's our Facebook, Twitter. There is a iTunes, Google Play Ooh. link. You can take and start to follow these podcasts on all of your devices. We like it. You can do that. You can subscribe. Mikey likes it. Mikey likes it. You can do that there. If you haven't done so also, and you, if you are an active listener, please do us a favor and review us on any of those mm. tunes, uh, any of like we iTunes. We do enjoy being judged. Yep. iTunes, Google Play. Tell your friends, too. We are happy to take and also talk about personal references if you want them. To We're available us. for bar mitzvahs and birthdays. Yes. We could do live recordings <laughs> at any location, you know. Steve requires a Subway sandwich and a piece <laughs> of cake for all personal <laughs> encounters. Um, but yeah, if you haven't done so, please do check us out on all those things. Um, if you're going to be at Podcast Movement here in the next little couple weeks, two weeks from dos, today, dos us. Uh, find us and do all that there. Um, I think I'm leaving something out, but I don't know what it is right now. You can support the show on Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Throw us a buck or two. Yeah, We got some awesome stuff coming up here. Um, if you do go up to Great Taste, give Steve a wave. He'll be the one in line with probably a no pretzel necklace. So No, I will not be wearing a pretzel necklace, but there will be plenty of people wearing pretzel necklaces, so that will give you a process if you don't know what I look like. Uh, yeah, you can narrow it down at least that way, because I would say 74% of the people there will be wearing a pretzel necklace or a necklace of some type. Right. Steve wears pretzel dog belts. But <laughs> with that being said, Steve, thank you again for being here today. Of course. Until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Patrick. And we are out. Thank you.